And now, Virgin Most Powerful Radio is pleased to present Hands-On Apologetics with renowned Catholic author and apologist, Gary Machuda. And welcome, everybody, Hands-On Apologetics. You have entered into Virgin Most Powerful's Apologetics Dojo. It's great to be with you today. Ah, joining us to uh, learn how to explain, defend the faith with clarity, charity, and confidence. And uh, got a very interesting show for you today. You know, there is a a belief that's held by many Protestants in the rapture. And uh, this can be actually quite complex because according to this thought pattern, um, Jesus not only came in Bethlehem, at the first advent, but we believe that he'll come again at the end of time in the second advent. Well, the rapture kind of poses a middle coming of Jesus, where before the end of time, Jesus will appear in the clouds, and all the uh, elect, I suppose, would be raptured, like taken up into the sky, and then begins, well, depending on what your formulation is about how you believe the end time is going to play out, um, you know, then uh, comes the uh, a struggle and so on and so forth. But that's known as the rapture. And uh, the rapture, of course, is uh, something, it's not Catholic teaching, but many non-Catholics hold to it. And uh, there's many books out there on the subject. And I think we've maybe even covered it here on the show where we looked at the biblical evidence for the rapture. And uh, But I don't think we've ever looked at the early church. Did the earliest Christians believe in the rapture? Well, you know what? We're going to have a good friend, William Hemsworth. He's going to be joining us on the other side of the break. We're going to talk about the rapture in the early church. So that'll be a really interesting discussion, to say the least. Uh, Coming on this side of the break, we're going to do what we always do, which is our exercises. You know, we call this place the dojo. It's where we work out our minds to equip us to explain, defend the faith. And we do that primarily through uh, not only great guests, but also our Finding the Fallacy and Meet the Early Church Father segment. Today's Finding the Fallacy, by the way, is the Proving Too Much Fallacy. And today's Early Church Father is, I would guess to say, pretty obscure. He is Marius Mikator. Marius Mercato. So uh, anyway, great stuff in store for us today. Um, Need to call attention, by the way. You know, I I wish I had some sort of alert or a bell or something, but uh, grab your calendars, folks, because there is a special event coming up in June. Actually, less than a month away on June 12, 2021, Catholic Men's Conference is going to be live at the Sacred Heart Chapel that's going to be with Justin Romero and Eddie Chavez. And it's also going to feature a special video appearance by Bishop Joseph Strickland. And if you want in on this high-powered conference, you definitely got to register. Register early, too, by the way. Go to our flagship website, which is virginmostpowerfulradio.org. All one word, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. And scroll down, and you'll see the big banner the Catholic Men's Conference on it, and click on it and register. You don't want to miss it, folks. Um, Great stuff coming down the pike 
in terms of evangelism and just growing in the faith because you need to be you know today more than ever we need to be firmly anchored in the faith and uh, so that means take advantage of every resource you can get and that's a fantastic resource for you to get speaking of resources i haven't done this in a little while but uh, just a reminder that I have my own little pet project on YouTube. It's called the Apocrypha Apocalypse Project, in which I dive deep into the subject of the Old Testament canon. Why is it that Catholic Bibles have seven books that Protestant and Jewish Bibles do not? Are these books inspired? Well, we've been rocking and rolling on that channel, uh, me and our good friend William Albrecht, who, by the way, is going to be the guest tomorrow. And uh, we've been doing some great stuff on there, and it's grown. And that, and I want to share this with you because you are a big part of that growth. Um, so we're up to about 900 subscribers. The magic number for YouTube seems to be 1,000, 1K. So we're only 100 subscribers away. So if you haven't checked out the pro, uh, the uh, the channel, um, Apocrypha Apocalypse, or you could just type in Gary Machuda, that probably get you there too. Uh, check it out, please. Uh, check out the videos. We did some live streams. We've had Trent Horn and and all sorts of uh, you know big names on there, as well as some super super informative, um, high information information about the the Old Testament canon. And we're going to do a lot more too. But uh, if you haven't checked it out, please go on there, uh, Pocket Apocalypse. If you like what you see, you want to be a subscriber, please do because we're our we are at the 900 mark. It'd be awesome if we can hit that 1,000 because uh, for some reason or other, I think on YouTube something happens with the algorithm and uh, good things result. So that's a huge milestone. And I also want to thank all of you for subscribing to it too uh, because uh, you've gotten us this far. And uh, please keep us in your prayers. All right. Um, also, if you have a question for William Hemsworth, you could give us a call. Toll free at 888-526-2151. That is 888-526-2151. Or if you'd like to send me an email, I'd love to hear from you. The official Dojo mailbox is questions at handsonapologetics.com. And uh, got some great emails too. So thank you, everybody. All right, well, without further ado, why don't we... Jump to the Finding the Fallacy for today, which is the Proving Too Much Fallacy. In philosophy, proving too much is a logical fallacy which occurs when an argument reaches the desired conclusion in such a way as to make the conclusion only a special case or corollary consequence of a larger, uh, obviously absurd conclusion. Uh, so that particular definition probably not very helpful basically proving too much occurs when the arguer doesn't properly qualify or make his argument narrow enough to reach the conclusion that he wants to make in other words he he makes it so broad that yeah it reaches the conclusion he wants but it also includes a lot of other things that he probably wouldn't want to include um, for example, um, you know, I was trying to think of an example before the show of, uh, you know, if you say um, only uh, books that satisfy X are inspired by God, 
you have to be sure that X is a real in a real definition of an inspired book because it's possible what if X also could include things that aren't inspired. For example, uh some people will say, well, unless a deuterocanonical book is explicitly mentioned in the New Testament, then it's not scripture. Well, that actually proves too much because there are a lot of books in the Protestant Bible that are never mentioned or never quoted in the New Testament. So that, that's a great example of proving too much because if the argument's true, not only does it uh, reject the Deuterocanon, but it also rejects a lot of other books of Scripture that everybody accepts. And so, uh, so it simply is not a good argument. So the way to avoid this particular fallacy is just be very careful and make sure that when you're arguing for something, that you are really hitting the right points and you're making the proper qualifications. You don't want to make it too broad, because if you do, you could be committing the proving too much fallacy. And uh, all right, so let's jump to the Meet the Early Church Father for today, who is Marius Mercator. Uh, in view of his relationship with Augustine, it's likely enough that Marius was born in uh, North Africa. Uh, later, he lived in Rome, and once in 418, he sent Augustine two treaties, uh, not now extant, against the Pelagians. Again, the Pelagians were the ones that pretty much denied original sin. They thought that you could save yourself through good works. Uh, by 429 A.D., we find him living in a Latin monastery in Thrace, uh, where he wrote a number of works opposing Pelagianism and Nestorianism, largely for the benefit of his fellow monks. Besides con uh, composing numerous short writings of his own, he also translated a considerable number of Nestorian works from Greek into Latin in a slavish, uh, literal manner, so that his fellow monks could see the genuine heresy of Nestorians. Um, we have uh, one work from him, which is the Admonitory Memorandum Against the Heresy of Plagius and Celestius. It was written around AD 431. Uh, this, uh, this is a two-part Comminatoria Against Pelagianism, it was written not long after Augustine's death, possibly around 430, uh, no, not later than 432, probably most likely 431. Offers a, a bitter critique of the views of Julian of Eclanum. We mentioned him on the show as well. The writings of MacArthur, along with related documents, were assembled probably sometime after 533 AD and probably by a Scythian monk in Constantinople or Thrace. And it's known as the Collectio Palatinia, which now resides in the Vatican Library. And uh, we have a quote from, I I think we could probably squeeze it in. Uh, speaking of Celestius, he became so bold that openly, publicly, he spreads his views abroad among the people in the words much the same as these. Adam was created mortal, and he would have died whether he sinned or not. The sin of Adam injured himself alone and not the hu whole human race. When infants are born, they are born in the state in which Adam was before the fall. And since not everybody belonging to the human race dies through Adam's death, neither does everyone belonging to the human race rise up through Christ's resurrection. And that is our early church father for today, Marius Macarius. Coming up next, William Hemsworth. Stay tuned.
If you shop on Amazon.com, there's an easy way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Just visit smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center under the desired charity. Now, when you log into your Amazon account and purchase products, a portion of it will automatically go to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio at no cost to you. Thanks in advance for supporting CRC and VMPR, and may God richly bless you and your family. mom's gonna have a baby she is will it be a boy or will it be a girl we don't know yet but we heard the heartbeat and my dad said this is gonna be someone very special you mean like being a president or maybe a doctor well probably maybe like a singer or dancer i think Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for your support here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Here's an easy way to do it. If you're going to sell or buy a house, call Real Estate for Life, 877-543-3871, because they're going to get you a Christ-centered agent to purchase your home or to sell your home. And at the close of escrow, a portion of his commission goes right back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Call 877-543-3871. Thank you so much for your support. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody, to Hands-On Apologetics. Well, the rapture. You know, Jesus comes before the end of time. And uh, supposedly, we, we uh, the true Christians will be caught up in the clouds with them. Uh, that's the normal story, but there's another version, the rapture where uh, Jesus comes before the end of time and we're caught up in the clouds. And, uh, you know, that's a very involved teaching, but was it the teaching of the early church? That's the question today. And to help us answer that question, we have William Hemsworth. William is a formerly ordained uh, Baptist and Lutheran who converted to Catholicism while attending seminary. He's the husband and father of four who is passionate about passing on his faith. He assists uh, teaching young adults and children at his parish in Tucson, Arizona. He's a popular author, blogger, and podcaster. You can check out his great stuff at williamhemsworth.com. Or if you're on YouTube, you can check it out as the Bible Catholic. And William Hemsworth, welcome to Hands-On Apologetics. Hey, Gary. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's great to be with you. Uh Great to have you as well. How are you doing? Oh, all right. I'm trying to get my camera working. I'm not sure why I'm not showing up on screen here, but uh, such is technology sometimes. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. We've, we've been having trouble, too, with uh, cameras and all sorts of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, it's been a little while since you've been on the program. Um, 
what's been happening on your YouTube channel? Actually, a lot of good things. Uh, I've had some great interviews. I talked to Steve Ray yesterday. We talked about the trail of blood theory that seems to be popular among some fundamentalists. Uh, talked to you, Mike Aquilina. He had a great book that came out in September called um, Heaven, um, History is Queen, all about the role of our Blessed Mother throughout history. We talked about... So uh, things are going really... Oh, William, I think uh, the sound got cut off. Um, it sounded like you maybe switched mics and then it went off. Hmm. Oh, I, I thought I heard a hum. <laughs> Is that you? <laughs> okay. Well, you're back. Okay, we got audio. That's good. Uh, yeah, wow. That's awesome. Mike Aquilina, uh, Steve Ray. Uh, man, yeah, uh, lots of great stuff cooking on your channel. Having, our, having William Albrecht on, uh, um, I'll be talking to him this Friday about transubstantiation since he had that great book that came out recently all about that from the Church Fathers. So I'm excited to talk to him about that too. So things are going really well. I'm talking to a lot of great people. Um, so, so yeah, other than that, just dealing with the issues I emailed you about this morning. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. That's life. Yeah. Life, it's amazing what life will throw at you. Uh and it's, it's strange. It seems it always happens when you have young kids around. <laughs> You're least ready for it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the truth. Um, I woke up early in the morning just letting my dog out. I tripped over the gate and slammed pretty hard and broke those four bones. And, yeah. Wow. It's, yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah, how terrible. Well, hey, uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the rapture. Um, All right. First, uh, you know, for a Catholic uh, audience, um what exactly is the rapture? Because that's not something that you normally hear in the pews. Right. You, you wouldn't hear it in the pews at all. The rapture, it's a, it's, 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 it's um, synonymous with uh, fundamentalism, really, because not even all Protestants believe in it. So basically it's the belief that the righteous will be snatched up before the seven years of the great tribulation and then after that seven years, you know, Jesus will come back and then they'll have his thousand year earthly reign. So that's kind of what the rapture is. And there's some verses that this, there's some verses that they'll appeal to. Um, ironically, um, one of them is uh, it's First Thessalonians uh, chapter four, verses 16 through 17, uh, which talks about how they'll meet the Lord in the air. But what's funny is in the original Greek, that word rapture isn't there. Now, some like Greg Laurie, for example, he'll say that the rapture is in the original Greek. But ironically, it doesn't come about until Jerome translated the Latin Vulgate. And he translated the Greek word um, arpizu, I believe, to rapimir. And that's where we get the English word for rapture. And so uh -huh. when people are talking about the rapture, it's actually something that St. Jerome came up with for a Catholic-sanctioned Bible, the Latin Vulgate. So it's kind of ironic, really, <laughs> when you think about that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, uh, yeah, so, you know, real important points is, it, you know, if on social media and that you get the impression that all Protestants believe in the rapture and you know, that it's important to remember that's simply not true. Not all Protestants believe it. And actually, it's, I, I think I've heard somewhere that it's 
almost strictly an American phenomenon. Protestants on the European continent never heard of a rapture. Right. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very new phenomenon in the context of church history. Uh, John Nelson Darby in 1830, uh, he, he was in England. He came over to America and he started talking about um, premillennial dispensationalism, which culminated in the rapture. And it, it really gained fire um, because it was, it was like the centerpiece of the old Schofield reference Bible. And so it was picked up by a lot of fundamentalists as this great, as this quote unquote great biblical teaching. And it really spread really quick. I mean, after all, who wants to go through all these great horrors, right? It's really, it's really tempting to think, okay, the Lord loves me so much. I'm his elect. I'm going to be snatched up before all these bad things happen in the world. And so it really gained steam. And then, of course, you know, these Left Behind books came out in the 90s. And I remember my mom reading those, being enamored with them. I think it was like a, tw- it was a, it was a lot, a lot of books. It was like 9, 10, 11 books, something like that. And then it, it got turned into movies. You know, Kirk Cameron starred in the movies and uh, The Left Behind. And then there was a re-adaptation with Nicolas Cage a few years ago about this whole concept. So even though most Protestants don't believe in the rapture, it's still this very popular theory here in the United States that really isn't, it really doesn't appear many other places. Like you're not going to find it in the Episcopal Church, in the Orthodox Church, in the Presbyterian Church, certainly not in the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of, it really turned into more of a, a Baptist phenomenon, really. Um, it all started with John Nelson Darby in the 19th century. And I, as much as, uh, I, I want to quote Charles Spurgeon here, you know, that Baptist preacher from the 19th century. He said, anything that's new in theology is false. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of ironic coming from Charles Spurgeon. But, yeah. but none, nonetheless, really, that's what it is. It, it, it's, it, 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 um, it's, a, it's a new theology. It, 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 it's a literal reading of Scripture, whereas those passages that are proof texts for it historically were more allegorical, like Revelation chapter 20, is it, for example, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and of course the passage in Matthew where one, one, is, one is there, one is snatched up, one's left behind. Um, so all, all that is very new. Um, you try to make a literal interpretation of these and came up with the rapture theory. And really it leads to not one, not two, but three comings of Christ. Because if you're gonna come, if you're gonna have the rapture, Gary, and if it's a premillennial type deal, and it's gonna happen before the seven years of the Great Tribulation, Jesus is gonna come in the air to snatch up the elect, and then he's gonna also come later on for the final judgment. Well, we, Jesus didn't say he's going to come two more times, Gary. He said he's going to come again <laughs> to judge the living and the dead. Yeah, so. right, exactly. Yeah, th- so there's actually three comings according to this version rather than uh, the historic two. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, very good. Yeah, and it's uh, the rapture is also uh, a big uh, point for evangelism. I mean, part of evangelism is calling to mind the last things, right, and preparation for death. So that's legitimate. But, you know, you, you could uh, you don't really see them now. But I remember back in in the 90s where uh, you would get bumper stickers where in case of rapture, this 
warning in case of rapture, uh, this car will be unmanned or something like that. Yes, my youth, my youth pastor had one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's uh, now that's pretty funny. So uh, yeah, it's 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 out there. It's it's popular. I don't know. Do you think it's as popular now as it was maybe ten or twenty years ago? I don't think I don't think it's as popular. I think people have tried to dig in uh, and dig into history a little more to see what the church has historically believed. And they see that to fit for, for the dispensationalists to, to fit their theology, they've kind of anachronistically assumed words that meant something different a few years ago and made it mean what they mean now. And so I think a lot more people are seeing that, especially when it comes to the left behind, the whole left behind series um, in my conversations online with people, obviously there's still some that believe with the rapture, but there's a lot more Protestants I see saying this is a false idea. We need to abandon this because it's embarrassing, yeah. just because it's yeah. so new. Um, so I, I think a lot of people, a lot of Protestants are waking up to that. Yeah. Which well, is good. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So uh, I, like I said, it, it's so foreign to Catholic thought, and it's usually um, part of a larger scheme of you know, the end times, it could get really complicated. Like you point out, you know, your pre mid or post, uh, yeah. you know, trib, uh, you know, there's all different, uh, versions of the end times within Protestant thought. And I know the rapture fits into, you know, some of those mechanate machinations. Right. It's like alphabet soup. You know, you have premillennialism, amillennialism, postmillennialism, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. I mean, it, it, it gets crazy. Um, it, it really it really does. There's no other way for me to say it, but it all boils down to what does Scripture say? What did the historic church say? And uh, the topic I wanted to talk about today, Gary, is because there are some who try to assimilate the church fathers into proof for the rapture, and mm. which which is I found yeah. fascinating. Because there's some there's some church fathers. If you read them, they'll have more of a premillennial view. But premillennial does not mean premillennial dispensationalist. It means mm -hmm. two different things. It means that you know, it means that there'll there'll be a literal thousand year reign before the end. That's really what that mean. That's really what that means. It doesn't mean that just because they're they taught that doesn't mean that they believed in this rapture where the the elect will be caught up and then Jesus will come again later to judge living and the dead. They said there'll be this millennial kingdom, but it'll be part of the final judgment. Mm. There's not there's none of this whole idea of being caught up and then the judgment coming later. It's one and the same. And it's only a few church fathers that they'll appeal to. And and really when they appeal to them um, they're forcing them to say something they really didn't mean to say when, when you look yeah. deeper into it. Yeah, very good. Uh, we're chatting with William Hemsworth of WilliamHemsworth.com, also on YouTube. Check out The Bible Catholic. We're going to talk more about the early church fathers and the rapture. Uh, more to come on the other side of the break. You're listening to Hands On Apologetics.
Jesus said in Matthew 26, Stay awake and pray that you may not enter into temptation. According to St. Ephraim, Jesus, who feared nothing, experienced fear and asked to be freed from death, although he knew it was impossible. How much more must we persevere in prayer before temptation assails us, so that we may be freed when the test has come? May God grant that we may withstand temptation and carry out His will in all things. This is a Catechetical Minute from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Jesus does not reveal the Holy Spirit fully until He Himself has been glorified through His death and resurrection. Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 728. God has put humanity on a need-to-know basis. Although God is eternally triune, He waited until the fullness of time to reveal His Son, and only in these last days, revealed and sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Holy Spirit, fill us with the love of God, and make us worthy servants of His Son, Jesus. This has been a Catechetical Minute, from Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And welcome back, everybody. We're chatting with William Hemsworth of uh, the Catholic, or excuse me, the Bible Catholic on the YouTube channel, talking about the rapture in the early church. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a really fascinating take, William, because whenever we hear about the rapture, uh, usually Protestants, it's usually very strictly Bible-only. You know, they're looking at text in, in Thessalonians and so on. It's pretty rare that you'll find somebody who even cares about the early church fathers that holds to the rapture. Right. And I think that's because it really isn't there. But more importantly, <laughs> I think what they're trying to do, they're trying to gain legitimacy for their position. Yeah. And so, and so they know people are going to want to look through history to see if this is what was taught. And but like I said, it's, you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to make it seem that way. So like some of the church fathers, they'll, they'll cite one would be Papias, for example, another be uh, Justin Martyr. But when you read the quotes that are normally associated with it, it just, it, it really, it really doesn't fit. Like one of them, like, for those who don't know Papias, we don't have any of his writings, but we have excerpts in um, Eusebius's church history. And so what one of the quotes that are given, I'll just read it off. It says, in these, he says that there would be a certain millennium after the resurrection and that there would be a corporal reign of Christ on this very earth, which things he appears to have imagined 
as if they were authorized by the apostolic narrations, not understanding correctly those matters which they propounded mystically in their representations. Okay. Hmm. Um, great. How does this fit with the rapture, though? <laughs> like, and this, this, <laughs> right. is, this is used as one of the proof texts. And I, I, th I really think it's because the millennium is in there and the corporal reign of Christ on this very earth. Hmm. Well, that doesn't mean that there's a rapture necessarily. Right. That doesn't mean that at all. You have to really twist twist those words to come up with the premillennial dispensation theory. Um, Papias, when you, when you read it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't fit just because it shows maybe some slight dispensational marking doesn't mean that it solidifies Darby's theory. It, it doesn't fit. It, it either does or it doesn't. And in this case, he's saying, okay, Christ will reign on earth in the millennium. It doesn't talk about being caught up before the final judgment. He doesn't mention the righteous being caught up. So the, so those who aren't saved have to suffer during the great tribulation. Doesn't fit. No. Uh, not, not, not at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, uh, you know, um, of course it's in reference to book of revelation where it says that Christ will reign for a thousand years. And there were some early church fathers that held to a literal thousand-year reign. But right. correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe by and large the early church fathers uh, considered that to be a wrong interpretation, that it should be symbolic. In my, in my research, uh, that's absolutely correct, Gary. And like I said, Papias oh. is one who may have held it. It seems like uh, Justin Martyr held to that thousand-year reign. But for the most part, it's, it's symbolic. The, that thousand-year period is symbolic of the church age that's on the earth right now. The church is seen as the new Israel. And the church goes, evangelizes, advances the kingdom. It's the church age. It may be less a thousand years. It may be longer. It's an allegorical thing. So remember in, how St. Peter in, in his epistle, he says a thousand, a thousand years is like one day. It just—it was just meant to see it, it's going to be a long period of time. That's all it means. It doesn't mean it's going to be a literal thousand years. So yeah, it's more of a symbolic thing, like you said, Gary. Um, most of the church fathers—I say a majority of the church fathers—held to that view. There's only a couple that you can say were more of a premillennial. But even I, I would say, even as you dig deeper into their work, you see that their position starts to change as time goes on, because hmm. because during those times. And we see it in scripture. They believe that Christ was coming back right away, you know, during the, during this generation. Right. And that, that, that didn't happen. And so as, as generations started falling away, say, okay, maybe that's not what was meant by this. And so it was more, see that it was more allegorical. That's where they decided that's, that's what the Lord was meaning by it. It's a more allegorical thing. It's not a literal. And just because, some of the church fathers may have held to more of a premillennial view doesn't mean that the rapture is the logical result that that that's an oversimplification of this novel doctrine that happened in 1830 just because one one of the things that um i came across an article and it's on a fundamentalist website you know one he's one of those typical ones that say you know catholics are of the devil and all that stuff <laughs> yeah, right. But 
but he um, he's talking about how Irenaeus proves the rapture. And I'm I'm finding the quote. I'm finding the quote that he uh, right now that he and I found I found this interesting. Hmm. And it's from 529. And this is where Irenaeus this is he's he's quoting Irenaeus here. He writes, Those nations, however, who did not of themselves raise up their eyes unto heaven, nor return thanks to the maker, no wish to behold the light of truth, but who were like blind mice concealed in the depths of ignorance, the word justly reckons as waste water from a sink and as the turning weight of a balance, in fact, is nothing. So far useful and serviceable to the just as stubble conduces towards the growth of the wheat and its straw by means of combustion serves for working gold. And therefore, when in the end, the church shall suddenly caught up from this. Hmm. And, and that's where this quote, that's where this quote stops. Finishes. Yeah. But look at the next sentence. For this is the last contest of the righteous in which when they overcome, they are crowned with incorruption. So <laughs> conveniently, this website stops one sentence short. So they got, they got their proof text from Against Heresies 529, but they didn't go one sentence further. They say that, that this is the final test. So we want to be on earth. We hope we want to be on earth when that time comes because that's the final test. What does our Lord say in Matthew chapter five? He that endures till the end will be saved. He doesn't say he who he believes will be caught up at the end of time. And then those who don't believe will undergo all these trials and tribulations. Yeah. Oh, I, I think you're muted again. Um, oh. uh, nope. Just uh, having some connection problems. So yeah, that's right. So, it isn't like uh, salvation is an escape plan from suffering, but rather, uh, you know, uh, salvation is uh, enduring to the end that you may be saved. Okay, uh, William, are you there? Uh, well, All right. I can't, uh, Can you hear me, Gary? I, I hear you. All right, and I see you, too. Okay. Excellent. All right. I'm not sure what's going on today. Good times. Yeah, we're we're having all sorts of weird things with Skype on our end too. So uh, you're not alone. <laughs> okay, good. But but yeah, this these websites they conveniently go to where it fits their agenda, and they don't go to the next level. Yeah. And Irenaeus is a perfect example of that. And they they mention in another spot how Irenaeus talks about dispensations. Right. That just means different stages. It doesn't mean that it fits the rapture. I mean, this, the, the term dispensation has kind of morphed into something different. Mm -hmm. Just, just like the word rapture. Um, when St. Jerome used it, it meant to be snatched up. Right. Darby used it. He's talking about how the righteous are snatched up. It, it changed the etymology has changed over time. We have to look at it in its proper context, its time period, who it was written to, what it was written about. I mean, against heresies is written to the Gnostics for crying out loud. So it, it it doesn't it doesn't fit when you look just a little deeper into it. It's it's about the final test. It's not about the righteous being snatched. We will be here. We will be tested. We have to endure to the end to be saved, just like our Lord says. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good points because uh, you know what they'll do. They focused on terms that kind of sound like. You know, something you would hear from a dispensationalist. But like you said, 
then they cut the quote off because if you continue reading, you find out it really has nothing to do with that that whole system of uh, right. rapture and so on. Yeah, very good. Uh, right. So, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, and I found the same thing this website did with Saint Cyprian too, hmm. which which I found very interesting because normally in this, normally when someone tries to find proof text for the rapture, Cyprian isn't one of them, but this website <laughs> did. Um, and he's talking about being snatches, being snatched away um, from imminent death. And then that last sentence again, enduring to the end sets us free. That last, <laughs> that, that, that last sentence here is omitted again. So I, I it's, it's um, I guess it's dishonest, really. You're trying to prove your point. You're not going all the way. You're not giving the, the full quote there. Yeah. So, so really, the church fathers, some of them, like we said, may have had that premillennial view. They did not hold to the rapture, and those who are trying to say they did, they're grasping at straws, trying to keep a novel theory alive, because it sounds good to them. It's kind of that old ear tickling mentality, you know. It sounds good. We, as humans, we don't want to endure anything bad. We don't. We want to avoid displeasure, and the rapture gives that out. If you're saved, you're not going to have to endure all these hardships that are going to come. So believe us. Believe in what we have to say. Become saved. Not saved. Saved, right? <laughs> Become saved. <laughs> Become saved. You'll avoid all this. Um, however, the church throughout history, that's not what they believed. Not what it at all. Not by a long shot. Yeah, and you know that's one of my big pet peeves too. Because I've, I mean, ever since I started apologetics, you run into that where they know what the sentence says. I mean, they they read on. It's they're deliberately just quoting the part to more or less mislead people. You know, and and right. they they're banking on people that they're not going to do what you did, like check out the quote and continue reading. Right. Yeah. Get it. And, and it's very unfortunate, and I know I hear the music, and maybe we can go after the break, but. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We're chatting with William Hemsworth of a YouTube channel called The Bible Catholic, williamhemsworth.com. Check it out. We'll have more to come on the other side of the break. You listen to Hands On Apologetics. Ernesto from Long Beach. You know, I just wanted to comment, you know, and I just wanted to thank you guys. And I kind of wanted to encourage people that are listening, maybe that are not donating, you know, because honestly, I got to be honest, I used to think you guys were a little too over the top, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. You That's know, right. If God gave us a lot, you know, and I'm, I have the blessing of listening to all this, I just want to call all the people, you know, I've got five kids, you know, and I don't make a lot of money and I'm still donating to you guys. God bless you, brother. You're amazing. We gotta, we have to do this. We have to do the extra. And it's not even the extra. People see it like it's extra. Kneeling for communion, saying your rosary, saying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. It is not extra. It's what the church tells us to do. Amen. You're a good man, brother. 30 years old, 30 years old 29 years old five kids and I thank you guys for everybody else man get on fire fight for the truth man I know what I'm telling you guys there's I no love it out there
Here's a great way to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Do you have an old car you want to get rid of, motorcycle, RV, or boat? Simply call 855-500-7433, and when they sell that vehicle, a portion of that money comes right back to support Virgin Most Powerful Radio. It's an easy way to do it. I want to thank you for it. Call 855-500-7433. God love you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Hands-On Apologetics with Gary Machuda. If you'd like to join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Here's Gary. And welcome back, everybody, Hands-On Apologetics. We're chatting with William Hemsworth of WilliamHemsworth.com, also on YouTube. He is the Bible Catholic, talking about the rapture and the early church. And, William, you know, Despite all of this, I still I think it's a very positive sign when you can get a dispensationalist to actually want to quote the early church fathers. I, that just amazes me because uh, the fact that uh, you know that they they look upon the early church fathers as a positive is I think a huge advancement from how it was, like I said, ten twenty years ago. Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely yeah. huge. So they're trying to find the proof text in the church fathers, but Gary, you and I know what they're going to find, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they're go- they're going to find um, apostolic succession. They're going to find the Eucharist. They're going to find the role of the bishop, uh, primacy of Rome. They're going to find all these things, and they're going to have a decision to make at some point. And are they going to be author- authoritative on what I think is dispensationalism? And I debunked and all the rest of this stuff, which is the majority of what they talk about, is is a garbage. Or am I just going to discard it? Yeah. Um, you're going to reach a point of either you're going to be intellectually honest and say, if they're authoritative here, if they know what they're talking about here, maybe they know what they're talking about over here as well. Or you're going to be intellectually dishonest and say, no, I can't I can't accept what's over here. Only what's over here. Yeah, and only and this that, part of the sentence, too, you know? <laughs> ex- ex- exactly. So definitely them reading the Church Fathers is a definite positive. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of them, uh, I mean, I think of David Curry as an example. I listened to his conversion story oh, yeah. um, a, cu- a couple of years ago, and he was a, he was he believed in the theory as well. And he wrote a great book about, you know, will the church be raptured? I think that's the title. It could be wrong. I have it on the other shelf over there. But— he believed this theory and he started reading the church fathers He's like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't right. <laughs> and he started, and he started seeing all these other things. So it's a definite positive. If they're going to read the church fathers, they're going to get uh, 2000 years of Catholic witness. Yeah. It, it, it's a great thing. Only, only yeah. good can come from that in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so he appeals to Papias, he appeals to Irenaeus and then Cyprian. Like you said, that, 
that's pretty odd right there. Uh, and do they, does he list any other church fathers? He, li he list, um, oh, what was it? Ephraim. Okay. Uh, Ephraim the Syrian. Yeah. Let me pull it, pull it back up here. Cause my screen refreshed on me. I think I'm having some internet issues. <laughs> All right. So he writes, we ought to understand thoroughly. Therefore, my brothers, what is imminent or overhanging? Already there have been hunger and plagues, violent movements of nations and signs, which have been predicted by the Lord. They have already been fulfilled. Okay, he, he's appealing to this as proof for the rapture. This is just showing that those things that Jesus said will happen in the end times are happening already. So we've technically been in the end times for quite a while. Yeah. And if anyone, anyone wants to read this in the catechism, it starts in paragraph 668, if I'm not mistaken. And the church lays out the church lays out the case uh, about how how the, the church teaching on the end times. Church does not believe in the rapture, guys. And I say that, Gary, because there's some Catholics out there who've kind of fell victim to this. Hmm. Um, they've they've got in. They it sounds good to them. They've 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 drawn to it. But unfortunately, it's not what the church believes. The church believes that, like, like we talked about before, the thousand-year reign is more of an allegorical thing. We're in the church age now. And when Jesus comes again, it will be the final judgment. Uh, so in, in another quote from Ephraim, he writes, he quotes this, For all the saints and elect of God are gathered prior to the tribulation that is to come and taken to the Lord, lest they see confusion. However, again, he doesn't quote the next part. We're in the 11th hour. We're awaiting the empire of the Lord. The, the earth is existing with blind fidelity and its downfall is coming. We have to endure and we're in need of penance for our actions. Again, we're not getting the whole story. We're only what's convenient. It sounds good. It, it's, it sounds good there, but we, we need to go a little farther. Ephraim is talking about penance for our sins, always being ready because the end is coming. We don't know when our time's up. It could be, it could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be 20, 30 years from now. The Lord can come next week. No matter what, our time is coming. We always need to be ready at all times. So we need to be in a state of grace. We need to frequent the sacraments. Always be ready. Because the tribulation could be anything. It could be a hard time you and I are going through right now. It could be the death of a spouse, a loved one, whatever the case is. We need to be ready. That's the message that the church fathers are saying. We don't know the day or the hour. But no matter what, we need to be ready. And we're going to be held accountable for our actions, whether good or bad. So always be ready. That's the message that the church fathers are giving us. They're not giving us, you know... Be saved and you're going to avoid all this. No, just always be ready. The Lord will come. Another thing the rapture teaches, Gary, is that Christ will come like invisibly, in, invisibly in the in the clouds to take up the elect. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses say he came back invisibly in like 1914. But, <laughs> that's true. But, yeah. But that's not the case. Paul's talking about he will come. We will see him. We're going to usher in his glory. So, when Christ comes again, we want to we want to be here, because it means that we've endured till the end, and He's taking us home. Okay, 
Yeah. That's 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 the message. That's what the church fathers taught. The church fathers did not teach what has commonly been known, become known as the pre-tribulation dispensational rapture. It's it's unfortunately a modern invention in theology. Yeah, I mean, so, modern, like you said, it's very very recent, modern, like eighteen hundreds, right? Eighteen thirty. Yeah, yeah, which is you know right around the time Mormonism starts, and you know. yes. <laughs> Yeah. Right around the time the whole um, restorationist movement came about. Yes, right. And that's really no coincidence. So they're trying to restore the primitive church. And, whoa, this theory sounds good. And I have no doubt that Darby was sincere. He was mistaken, obviously. But it, go, it goes to show you that you can come to a wrong conclusion with just having the Bible alone, if you don't have the guidelines that are set by the church that Jesus established. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I mean, um, it's uh, I, I think this is very valuable too for every apologist that whenever somebody quotes something, it's so important to look it up and study the context, isn't it? It is. That's really everything because you can, just, just like with Scripture, you can pluck, I mean, you know, Gary, Scripture says there is no God, right? But it, it says that the fool believes there is no God, so we have to understand the context right. of it. We we have to, we have to know the we have to know the preceding words. We have to know the words that come after who they're writing to. It's called context. Context is king. If you want to understand what's going on, you have to know that. And we're blessed now with more resources than ever before that are right at our fingertips that give us those resources. I mean, we have this awesome thing called the internet. We can just plug something in and we get all, all this stuff pops up. I mean, you can go to new advent, you can pull up all the works of the church fathers for free. And then we don't have to go out and buy a whole library. Although I do encourage people to have some kind of library. It's always a good thing to have, but context is king. Um, you can get any conclusion you want by plucking things out of its context, but you're going to lead people astray. And in the end, Gary, if you lead people astray, you're going to be held accountable for it. Yeah, I, That's a very serious sin. Uh, what Jesus say? You may as well have a millstone rung about your neck and thrown into the sea if you lead a child astray. Uh, yeah. Man, it, it's a big deal. So we have to know we have to know what we're talking about. We have to understand the context. And unfortunately, regardless of what some of these websites say, the church fathers did not teach the rapture. They're trying to twist them to to gain authority for their opinion. Kind of what the Gnostics did with those Gnostic Gospels back in the day, Gary. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Now, uh, you know, as a Protestant, before you came into the church, did you hold to the rapture? I did for a little bit. I was actually, although the Wesleyan Church does not teach the rapture, um, ironically, that's what I was taught. So it was kind of interesting. And I've just huh. recently found this out in the process of writing my conversion story. So, the Wesleyan Church on on paper doesn't teach it, but the it's really non-committal. But so yeah, the rapture. Um, I was taught the rapture, um, speci specifically Matthew twenty four, um, as as a proof text. And again, that's that whole thing where there are two men in the field, one is taken, one is left. Uh, two two men will two women will be grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. But just a few verses earlier than that, it says in the days of Noah. Well, Noah was left behind with the unrighteous. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's a key point there. And so um, 
as I started investigating the church fathers to come as, as I was trying to church to say, to prove the church father is wrong, I came across what the early church really believed on it and, and um, abandoned, abandoned the rapture. I embraced what's called amillennialism, which is the allegorical thousand year reign, which is very close to what the Catholic church believes. And again, if people want to read about that, um, check out the catechism. There's several paragraphs starting in 668. Yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, that's rapture has been informative. Like, uh, like you said, David Curry, you know, that was instrumental in his conversion. Also, uh, Ken Litchfield, you know, it was really uh, when he encountered the Left Behind series, who was yes. a guest on your show, <laughs> right? Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, uh, you know, that was when he get dove into apologetics. So uh, it's interesting that although it's wrong, it actually produces some good fruit, surprisingly. It does. Uh, it- it, it will if you're open to the truth. If you have an open heart and an open mind, um, and and you read these sources, the Holy Spirit will guide you, definitely guide you to the truth. I know, I know it did for me. It did for several others. Um, we just have to get rid of that cognitive dissonance that we sometimes we have because it's what we grew up with. It's a tradition that we know. It's comfortable, mm-hmm. and then we realize that the truth is something else entirely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, we got maybe a minute or so left. I want to talk a little bit about how people can get a hold of all your great stuff. Well, check out my website, williamhemsworth.com. I have links to the podcast, uh, the YouTube channel. Really pleased how the podcast is going. It's been getting a lot of uh, great feedback and reviews lately. Somehow, great listens are up 63%. Praise God. That's not yeah. why I do it, but if more people are listening, it means more people are searching for the truth of the Catholic faith and... That's why we're here. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you, Gary. It's been fun as always. All right. That's William Hemsworth. Check it out, williamhemsworth.com. Man, again, the hour is gone, but never fear, Terry and Jesse will soon be here. With the Terry and Jesse Show, I Impact Catholic Talk. Thank you so much for listening. God willing, we'll be back again tomorrow. Do this thing we call hands-on apologetics. Bye-bye, everyone. Ready? Ready to discover your soul, your wild side, your passion, your joy, and excitement. From the latest slots and table games, to award-winning dining, to world-class entertainment, to a luxurious resort. Discover all this and more. Discover with soul. Casino Del Sol, the soul of Tucson. Are you ready? Enterprise of Pasquayaki Tribe. Do you have spring fever? Let's get things growing for less with Cal Ranch. This week only save 30% off Jiffy Brand seed starting supplies. Baby chick season is here. Stop in and see which ones we have this week. And save $2 off Country Companion Chick Starter. Shop the spring fever sale now through February 20th. We're your Cal Ranch store, a ranching home store, and so much more. Shop and save at Cal Ranch.